CFD's Weekly, greatest podcast in the world. We're back with another episode, an emergency crypto episode. And uh, this week we're joined by Michael Pearl, uh, who may be familiar to some listeners from his his days at Finance Magnates and in the FX CFD world. But today he's actually at a cryptocurrency company called Kirobo, where he is chief operating officer. So, okay, for, for people that don't know you, Michael, maybe you can just introduce yourself. Hey, David, thanks for having me. Yeah, so as you said, uh, right now I'm the COO of Kirobo. Uh, it's a blockchain technology company. I will uh, elaborate later about what we do and how we do it. Uh, so I've been in the fintech crypto space for about 10 years now. Uh, before that, I was uh, working for a company called Natural Intelligence, uh, where I managed the content for uh, the fintech department. Uh, I was also an advisor for a few projects, uh, crypto, fintech, and uh, not only. And before that, uh, yeah, as you said, I was uh, part of Finance Magnets for about five years. Uh, there, basically, I learned about the CFDs, FX, uh, even binary industries as a bystander, <laughs> right? Not as a participant. Uh, and uh, I managed the, the newsroom. Uh, I managed the content at the events and uh, the research department. Uh, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Cool. Yeah. Maybe maybe to get started. So th- we're recording this. Binance has just been um, wrecked by the SEC. Um, I should say, actually, by way of introduction, right? I think most people that read the newsletter know that uh, I am a bit skeptical of crypto and um, not not necessarily a big believer. I'm not a um, what do, you, what do those people call themselves? Crypto advocate? What do you, I can't remember the, the phrase that everyone used to use. Maximalist. Yeah, and so yeah on. something like that. So, but for the purposes of this, well, firstly, I think it's it's clear that it's still playing a pretty big role for some brokers, whether that's from people trading it or just as a payment method and things like that. So it's still even the, even though you know I'm I'm a skeptic, I'm happy to accept that. One, I could be wrong, and two, even though I don't necessarily think it's a good thing or, or believe in it, it's still there and is and is kind of just a fact of of doing business at the moment. So, um, yeah, like I said, we, we're recording this just after Binance got wrecked by the SEC. I'm a kind of passive observer of this stuff; like, I'm not super into it. I, I know that Binance has been on sort of like a slow slow burning death from my point of view for about six months now. Uh, but okay, maybe you can tell me what happened and what's the impact of this, do you think, going to be? Yeah, before I dive in to talk about Binance, because it's a huge uh, topic and not everything is clear yet, just to uh, to reply to what you said earlier about crypto. So my two cents about it is that blockchain is a very, very novel technology and it's a, at a very nascent stage. And I think that it's a little bit unfair to look at it as a you know a whole package. Because just like a, a lot of other technologies, or even not technologies, you know, even like financial tools and vehicles, uh, in the beginning you have a lot of, first of all, uncertainty, regulatory and, and otherwise, and people are not very educated. And yeah, you have a lot of scammers. You know, you, you have a lot of people who see the potential because there is a lot of money in it. And again, people are not well educated about the dangers and the perils. And, you know, people can take advantage of it. But I think that at the end of the day, uh, when we're going to have this talk in five years, I think that you will look at it from a very different perspective. The industry will change. The good things will remain. The bad things will kind of drift out. And, you know, it has a lot to do with what's what happened yesterday with Binance. And um, 
I'm not a maximalist. I'm a very conservative person. Like when it comes to like, you know, new approaches, I, I'm not like a rebel. You know, some people look at crypto as an ideology or even religion. But I do think that there's cult. a lot of value in it. Cult, is cult, cult. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Cult, and it has all the, you know, the like a lot of people have even uh, investigated this. It has a lot of like Bitcoin, for instance. It's it's a cult, in my humble opinion. You know, the maximalists uh, look at it this way. But having said that, I see the value in it, and I think that for the long run, the value is going to prevail. And I think that for the long run, fiat money, as we know, it is not sustainable. So maybe there will be some sort of a mix between the two. The future will not be fully decentralized, but uh, crypto will not die. Let's put it this way. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get sucked into that rabbit hole because I don't agree with anything you just said. And uh, I think it's, I really think it's going to die. I think if you look at blockchain, right, it's, how long has it been? It's been like 14 years since Bitcoin was made, I think. And so you go then, if you compare that to the internet, if you compare like, 1989 to 2003 it's like no comparison but that whatever i, I really don't want to get uh bogged down in that stuff and so because because we're just not it, it's okay I'm, you, I'm used to you disagreeing with me on everything that i said <laughs> yeah, so we're not going to agree on that point but so let's just pretend again that it is a real thing and uh, what you said is correct which again i'm happy to uh well i'm not happy but i will concede i could be i could be wrong so so yeah so what what happened at I mean, in, actually, maybe you can talk about this as well, right? Like, my sense from the outside is that, um, you know, Binance makes lots of headlines, but Binance is is just huge, right? I don't know what the... I think it does, like, more than half of the traded volume of crypto in the world. In the world. So, is, I mean, if bad things happen to them, presumably bad things happen to the sector as a whole, or am I wrong? I, I really don't know. Yeah, so just to give you a few numbers, uh, Binance is indeed huge. It's the largest uh, crypto exchange for sure. But even if you look at the Binance Group as a corporation, and by the way, it's very hard to define it because there are a lot of entities and nobody's really sure about what's going on there, right? It's not like Coinbase, which is a publicly traded company and everything is very clear and everything is transparent. But having said that, Binance is a huge company. Uh, It has basically its... uh, arms and legs in everything okay just to give you an example most people know binance for its uh centralized exchange right which controls at some time it it controlled about 75 percent of all centralized trading in the world now they declined because they left uh, quite a few countries and they kind of scaled down their activity in the u.s in canada and australia and in other places mostly due to regulation so they're at about like 50% of trading now. But still, they're the biggest player. All the rest, you know, get the crumbs uh, that remain after, you know, Binance is done. So, yeah, they're huge. And beyond the centralized uh, trading, they have a decentralized exchange. They have a ventures arm. They have tons of technology, you know, oriented companies. And they're invested in, in many companies. So it's a giant for sure. Yeah. Now, as for your question, uh, you know, is I think that even if Binance is done, and I I surely don't think that it's done, okay, it's not a clear cut uh, like in the FTX case. And uh, even if things are as bad as FTX, uh, you will see that, I, I mean, things in some ways, and we'll dive into that, in some ways, things are as bad as FTX in, with respect to what they allegedly did, did right? Yeah. But um, I just think that it's going to be harder for them to go after Binance. 
uh, and I think that Binance is more decentralized and more kind of uh, uh, global than FTX, and it's going to be harder to kill it. So maybe you know one entity will phase out, but other entities and other capital will continue living. So yeah, crypto took a giant hit. I'm not going to pretend that it didn't happen, uh, and uh, there will be some sort of a decline. Uh, that we'll see, but I don't think that Binance is done, and I definitely don't think that crypto is done. Yeah. So I think, well, I mean, from from what I can tell, the main difference seems to be that FTX basically just took its clients' money and then lost it all trading on really shitty coins, whereas Binance seems to have done something similar in terms of taking client money, but I don't think it actually, at least at least thus far, it doesn't seem like they were just punting it and losing all of it. Um, but maybe you can, can you talk like again? I, I just don't follow the sector enough to really have an idea of what's going on. But the thing that always strikes me is basically like I, I don't get even who is trading crypto at this point. Like what? I mean, that's confusing to me. It doesn't really seem like you know there was all this buzz. I remember two years ago about NFTs. I don't know if that is that seems not really to be a thing anymore. It def- or definitely isn't as much as it used to be. Um, so. It is. It is. Okay. The NFTs, the NFT volumes are still quite high, and it's still a thing. Okay. You know, maybe it's less than the mainstream media news, but but it's still a thing. Yeah. So, but in general, can you give us sort of update of what's going on? Is there anything interesting or particularly noteworthy that you think is happening, um, or is it just going to die? Is it going to crash and burn? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let me give you like a quick overview of the, of the market, and maybe that will answer the question. So, first of all. Uh, the markets indeed are um, are down, right? They are not nearly as down if you look at it proportionally uh, as it was in the previous bear market. Okay, so it's kind of a weird bear market uh, because the tokens, are the, kind of the altcoins, everything that is not you know Ethereum and Bitcoin, are way down. Uh, the main tokens like Ethereum, Bitcoin, you know, to some extent Cardano, kind of led you know, the top 10 are still kind of holding quite steady. You know, even yesterday, like Bitcoin lost kind of 10%, but it regained some uh, some uh, uh, some value since then. And, you know, we didn't uh, go like 50% below, you know. So the, the, the Bitcoins are still holding. Obviously, you have the stable coins, which are vastly used, you know, uh, especially in developing countries. And I can dive into that. By the way, referring to your question, who trades crypto? You know, looking at it from a standpoint, you know, you're sitting in the UK and I'm sitting sitting in Israel. Uh, we kind of like we have high inflation, right? But we don't know what's 100% inflation. You know, yeah. we don't know like what's uh, what 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 it means basically to lose everything in one day. We don't know how it is, you know, to live in Venezuela or Iran or even Turkey. So or Argentina, right? So in these countries, people are using crypto not because it's cool. And not because they want to invest and they want to maximize. They just want to save, you know, their hard-earned money or they want to transfer some money abroad and so on. And they don't have the, the basically, any, any, any way of doing this legally or doing this kind of through the fiat system, yeah. right? So Africa as well, like you, you see a lot of usage. When it comes to the Western world where you see most of the traders uh, – Mostly it's young guys, you know. Uh, I don't know how it works with FX. I'm, I'm not updated uh, as of yet, but uh, mostly it's young males who just, you know, like to kind of uh, 
who think that you know they can uh, make a buck sometimes they also believe in the project so they kind of invest in it but uh yeah that's that that's what you see for the most of it and and there are a lot of hypes you know you mentioned nfts people are still trading nfts people are still you know still believe in that you have communities and all that and um you know uh, the other uh, financial vehicles that i'm seeing are don't make much more sense to me to be perfectly honest you know in the world of fx you know um yeah. betting on some uh some uh, exotic uh coin of some african country doesn't seem like a much better idea than to to buy a token or a meme coin you know yeah. stop hating right um the no but i think you made you made a couple of good, good points there so one is actually that so i i did one of these uh podcasts with drew nev who um mm-hmm. was the, the guy that founded fxcm and he, he actually said this point he was like i think crypto will die in developed markets i think it'll definitely die in the us because of regulation but he was saying if you look at emerging markets there's there's probably real appetite for it there because of exactly the dynamic you described right and, and actually what's kind of interesting to your point on fx is like in the past, a lot of people that wanted to trade FX were in emerging markets, and that's still kind of true, albeit I think FX is kind of this weird thing where it's used as a shorthand for CFDs, and CFDs is not the same as FX, but whatever, that's a whole other discussion. So, um, But the, the point is that there, there's definitely appetite that I can see to get your money out of somewhere like Venezuela, and actually the only one of the only people I know who has really used um, crypto properly was an was a Iranian guy in the UK, um who give, give me his details later yeah okay maybe i'll give you his details later but um um anyway yeah he he's one of the only people i've met who um who who was using stable coins basically to send money back to iran and to help his family and and it was kind of a way around various systems you could say maybe he shouldn't have done that because of sanctions or whatever but like the point remains right there's 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 a market there for that and i and i get it um but the other point was on on sort of technology type stuff, which and this is something I don't get, right? And like you're actually probably a good person to speak to about this. Is people always talk about the blockchain and all this kind of stuff, and um, most there's, there's all this hype around it, and almost everything you see actually is just trading, which is actually in the grand scheme of things quite a niche market. There's not that many people that want to trade uh, crypto or, or trade in general. That's one thing. And then some of the other stuff I've seen is still just, so there's like a video game that I've seen this guy make and he's like, it's based on the blockchain and the video game is you mine a crypto, you, you're a virtual character who mines crypto in a video game so that you can get crypto virtual. And it's like, so you're just playing a video game, which is the thing that you're doing in real life if you want to be involved in crypto. It's like, it doesn't really make much sense to me. So is there anything particularly interesting that you see happening? In, in the tech side, on the tech side of things, like is that actually something new happening? Yeah, so my, my bread and butter is more the tech side of things. I'm not a techie myself, but that's, you know, I, I, I work for a technological company and I'm very interested in it and, and it's fascinating. So I think that what you see, David, and you, you had, I think, uh, one episode before that, you, you interviewed a guy that was talking about the mainstream media, right? And the way that they cover, you know, financial news or other news. So I think that the way that uh, the media, you know, in the UK, in the US, in Israel covers crypto is super unprofessional. And what you see is only the trading part, mostly the negative part, right? The scams part. And it's, 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 it's just the tip of the iceberg because below that, 
you know, the trading is only one layer. You have a huge layer of, of amazing technology, and I'll give you some examples in a second. And you have a very smart way of monetization. That's the whole to- point of the tokens, okay? Where you can incentivize people to do this and that, and you can incentivize people to participate in the system. You know, whether it's, let's say, a social media, you know, decentralized social media um, app that allows you to earn money for the content that you produce and allows, you know, other people to pay you. Doesn't matter where they live and you know which currency they hold, they can tip you and you can earn money and so on. Or if it's um, you know financial tools like um, uh, lending mechanisms and and yield bearing mechanisms and so on. Uh, and again, it's probably the most global industry that is out there because obviously not only you know it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't even matter what you know currency you have in your regular bank account because we for instance pay for our suppliers you know if i want to hire someone for you know whatever i can pay him in ethereum or usdt usdc i don't even care where the person is and what he does as long as he's not from iran right (laughs) (laughs) so i i think that the the technology is amazing just to give you a few examples you know you mentioned nfts right so right now there's um I, i i know quite a few projects that are working on uh utility nfts so imagine that you know if you use this amazing technology of a non-fungible token, not for you know BS ape uh, you know pictures, but for um, for instance for your identity, for a membership club for your football team, right? I'm saying football and not soccer. You see, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, you know the lingo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm being uh, culturally conscious. So. Um, so yeah, you, you you know people use that for membership clubs, uh, and you can actually earn uh, money from you know holding that that I don't know that that NFT, um, and you can even use it for your identity. Maybe in the future you will use it for votes and so on and so forth. So there is a lot of uh, a lot of utility in it. You know when when you pile up everything together, you take the tokens that help you monetize, you take the DAO mechanism, uh, decentralized autonomous organization that allows you to govern, whether it's a company or, you know, an, uh, a, a community or even a country, right? And then you plug to that the NFTs that allow you to have something that is uh, non-fungible, right? That is unique. And you add a lot of things together and basically you have an ecosystem that is very interesting and that may serve as an alternative for a lot of the things that we see around us, not only for the financial system, but for, uh, you know, the way we govern and the way we we vote and uh, the way we conduct ourselves on social media and so on. So I think there is a lot of value in it. I cannot really put my finger right now on telling you what's the right method because these things are kind of in the making. You know, mm-hmm. people make a lot of mistakes and there are a lot of hacks and uh, and scandals and scams. But uh, again, it's uh, at a very nascent stage, so I think that the value will will come out of it for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a member of a club in London actually uh, that got bought by these crypto dudes. I, don't, I can't remember what their name. I think it's even called now, like the Crypto Club or something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I went in there with with someone maybe two months ago, and. Um, to be fair, they made it a bit nicer. I mean, I, and I haven't really seen the crypto stuff, so I, I can't really talk to talk about that. But then the, one of the sales, not salesperson, but like the you know, membership manager was saying, you can, you know, if you want to, you can 
change your membership to an NFT and all you have to do is pay. You basically pay up front and then you're a member for life with this NFT and you can use that NFT to go to other clubs that are also crypto clubs. Um, yeah, I didn't get it, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe that will change in the future. Don't think so. But um, I'm curious. So this is this. Um, I think. By the way, uh, I I just want to point out something. One of the more interesting things that I see, you know, um, I just came back from uh, Denver and Paris um, from from quite you know interesting events where where you see a lot of uh, projects showcasing what they do. One of the trends that I see is the fact that blockchain is moving to the background. So right now, if you want to hold an NFT of your club, you need to oh, to hold a wallet. You need to have a seed phrase and so on. And obviously, it's very cumbersome. Uh, it's very different from what you have with your Revolut account, for instance, mm. right? Or for, I don't know, your email or whatever. But gradually, blockchain will get there. So you will own NFTs without even knowing that you own NFTs, right? So you will um, so, uh, have... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, it's a lot to process, but but yeah, I mean the the technology will be more and more in the background, because right now it's not uh, accessible enough, and I agree with you on that one. But uh, uh, you will see the value of this technology without even knowing that you're using it. And right now, you you mentioned games. There are a lot of um, you know Web three games that are kind of uh, doing the shift to become Web two games, yeah. right? And they're kind of uh, hiding all the blockchain elements but they're still using it for the benefit of uh you know uh um kyc and for the benefit of um uh I, I don't know identifying uh you know different artifacts that you have in the game and ownership and many different aspects and gradually blockchain will be more and more in the background and you will have all the benefits without yeah. all the messy stuff yeah. Uh, I think you know, <laughs> people listening to this can't see, but my, I think my eyes look. Uh, I'm looking at Michael in quite a skeptical way. So I mean, I, I won't push back too much on that. But like, yeah, to me it doesn't make sense. I mean, because the main thing I've seen with the video games is it will go, oh, there's a you know there's a reward and it's on the blockchain and you get like these tokens and then you just go, but that that always existed. Something like that always existed, right? So if you played. I used to play, and uh, I had to. I stopped, but I used to play when I was a younger uh, Counter Strike. And when you played Counter Strike, that you got different shit that you could then trade. I think I never. I was never into it enough to like trade skins or something like that. But that's the kind of thing I see on blockchain. I just go, well, you could do that anyway, and the system seemed to work pretty well. They even banned, right? They, I think they even banned uh, skins trading because it was being used to to launder money, kind of like crypto. <laughs> And, uh, so I just look at that, that kind of stuff and I go, this, this is the problem I have with most crypto stuff. And this is the last you know point I'll, I'll, I'll make in terms of pushing back. Cause I just want, I don't want it to be like an argument about crypto's validity, but just most of the stuff you see is go, but that already exists and the system is fine. So you don't need, you don't need it. Right. Like that's, that's my main, well, that's one of my many gripes with crypto is just, I see most of the stuff that's being made and I'm like, you can really do that. You don't. You need blockchain or whatever to. You, you know, I remember in my uh, finance magnets days when uh, I think it was 2017 or 16, like at the at the the peak of the hype of the ICOs, and there was a, this huge event in Israel where a lot of projects from around the world came, and you know they showcased what they're doing, and we had like a speed date uh, interviews for for journalists. 
And every project that I've met, I ask them one question. Why blockchain? And like most of them, you know, didn't, didn't have a very good answer for that. By the way, I, th I think that now it's the same with AI, right? Everyone's doing AI and, and, and to be perfectly honest, uh, not too many, you know, projects or companies really do need AI or need to label themselves as AI and so on. So yeah, there's a lot of hype. Uh, not everything should be on the blockchain. I totally agree with that. By the way, blockchain is also costly, right? I mean, you have gas fees and you have uh, various levels of complexity uh, technologically and, and in terms of the usage. So definitely not everything should be on the blockchain. But in many cases, blockchain can solve a lot of problems and uh, you know optimize uh, many processes that until now were just uh, broken. Yeah like cross-border transfers, yeah. like vast majority of the financial system that we have right now with the fiat money. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, well, we don't want to get get bogged down in that stuff. But uh, so I think mo most people that listen to this, in fact, I would presume 100% of the people who listen to this podcast are more in the FX CFD world. There's definitely overlap because obviously, you know, loads of, loads of those companies have expanded into crypto, whether it's like eToro or XTB or whoever it might be, you know, whether that's offering a, a derivative on a, on crypto or actually physical crypto. So, but I'm curious if you see any sort of overlap or similarities or, or just what you what you think about that intermingling between those two sectors. Because if I think of, um, you know, when I look at something like Binance or FTX, the thing that always kind of amazed me, and I remember speaking to this, uh, speaking with... Um, this guy, one of my old companies, who was the crypto guy, and he just kind of refused to admit that this was the case. But if you look at what most of those, um, most of the exchanges are doing, to me, it was basically, they're, they're effectively offering a product that is very similar to, to a CFD product, where it's like, you get people in to trade spot asset, but actually your goal is to filter them into a derivative product. So it, I think they, they call it perpetual futures or something like that in, in crypto. So I always saw that, I always thought that one of the funny things was this industry was being sold as a really new, amazing thing. And I was, you look at it and you're like, it's the same as a CFD broker, but with better, with better PR. So I don't know, I'm rambling a bit. If you have any thoughts on that stuff, I'd be interested to hear. So there are a few similarities and uh, actually a lot, uh, you know, dissimilarities. Obviously, similarities is the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, you're trading, especially if we're talking about spot trading, you know, at the end of the day, uh, all the usual elements of, of trading uh, remain. You need, you know, liquidity and you need uh, kind of the the um, uh, touch points with the, the, the end user, you need to have them, right? And, and, and you have a lot of layers on top of that that help you with the trading and with the market data. Everything is kind of structured um, more or less the same as in the FX world. But still, like, there are a lot of differences. Just to give you an example, the touch points in the FX world or the CFDs world are usually the brokers, right? So you have this pyramid, uh, no pun intended, you know, where... <laughs> Where basically on the on the lower edge you have the brokers, which are actually you know the touch points with the retail users, right? And they market to the users, they handle all the customer service, and they are the money makers, right? 
they basically, you know, earn money from the users. And on top of them, you have the prime brokers and you have all the, you know, adjacent uh, CFDs weekly and, uh, and the, the lawyers and the marketing people. And on top of them, you have prime of prime and you have the banks and so on. So you have this very well-structured pyramid where, you know, only the bottom uh, level actually, um, you know, communicates and touches the retail user. Whereas in the crypto space, everything is much more kind of flat, you know, due to the decentralized manner and the permissionless manner. And the fact that at the end of the day, in most cases, and I'm not talking about the Binances of the world, but in DeFi, you don't really trade with, uh, with like a centralized entity. Okay. You connect your wallet, you do your trade and you disconnect. Okay. In some cases you do staking. I don't know if you're listeners are familiar with that, which is essentially like a yield bearing mechanism. Uh, so you are quote unquote married to, you know, this one project th that you're working with, but you're kind of free to move between the projects and it's not as, you know, as structured as it is with brokers and prime brokers and so on and so forth. Um, one more thing that I see, which is very different from the FX space, uh, in FX and CFDs, Technology is kind of ubiquitous, you know, technology is kind of be taken for granted, you know, you have this, you know, one, two firms that me and you know who we're talking about that basically are claiming that they are, you know, the technology providers, but for the most of it, I mean, everything was already kind of built, right? And brokers, for instance, most of them work with uh, kind of, you know, white, lab uh, white labels, or even if they build the technology of their own, they basically take some open source idea and put their logo on it, right? Whereas in crypto, the technological challenge is huge. So th that's why, you know, what I saw, you know, when you go to an FX event, the, the big stars are the analysts, right? The, the, these are the guys that you see on the YouTube channels and, and, the, and, and the guys that are kind of in the front. Whereas in the FX space, the tech nerds, are, are, yeah, are so kings, you mean the crypto you know? space? Yeah, yeah, sorry. In the crypto space, the tech nerds are kings. You know, everything is about technology. Technology leads the way. And even, you know, when people invest uh, or, or you know, uh, trust a certain project, they, they, at least, you know, the ones that are doing the, their, their homework and, and their research, they dive into the technology. And the, and, and the conversations that, that, that I see in this space are very deep. And people have a very deep technological understanding. By the way, you asked me, you know, who are the traders? It's mostly tech-savvy people. It doesn't mean that they're developers or engineers, but it's mostly people who are fascinated by technology mm -hmm. and by the technological progress that, uh, you know, that is being made here. Yeah. But I do remember the guy that fixed my broadband about a year ago trying to get me to invest in Dogecoin. He was very convinced that it was, that it was a real thing. So, like, maybe that, yeah, it's all tech people. But I think, I think it's... Not not much, not not much technology in Dogecoin. That's actually, <laughs> I'm I'm not very bullish on that one. You know, yeah, so that's probably a good thing. But um, yeah, no, it's, it is interesting you say that because from my point of view, I think it's it's it seems like there's a sort of build up that's taking place um, of all of the sort of infrastructure that you described. So in terms of there's so many elements to it, right? But like custody. Um, prime brokerage, I guess that's liquidity as part of that. So white labeling platforms. White, to be fair, white label platforms, at least as far as I can tell, have existed for for quite a while in crypto. But they definitely, 
and again, well, th- this could be me uh, reading it wrong, but like, it definitely doesn't seem as widespread as in as in effects, right? Like, there's no there's no crypto equivalent of MetaTrader, as far as I can tell. Um, so, but it does seem like all of those elements are kind of being built up. I just wonder if it will actually happen, though. Like, I wonder if the market will just die, <laughs> to be honest, before it before it does. But there definitely are people. It seems like over the past couple of years who are trying to put all of the all of the sort of infrastructure that you have in in foreign exchange or in just any kind of normal assets into into play. I think the weird the weirdest thing for me, right, is that exchanges are clearly not they're not really exchanges because they're also trading on their own account a lot of the time, which is completely fucking weird. They're more like it's more like a broker dealer or something where you know you wouldn't go to the London Stock Exchange and trade equities or whatever, Telview Stock Exchange, and think also that the the exchange operator is like market making on that exchange or running some kind of prop desk and that kind of shit i think is it's just so bad i mean like the the outcome of that can't be good because it just it's it's it, there's yeah there's there's just uh i can't remember what you call it moral hazard problems involved there yeah so let's put it this way and i think you kind of shifted the, the conversation to regulations because i, I think that you know to fully understand what you just said, you need to to understand the regulatory landscape that we have right now. So, again, uh, FX is very regional, very kind of local and regional. And uh, you know, even if you read the news on finance magnets and on 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 CFDs weekly or whatever, you see like there's a lot of talks about you know companies entering regions and countries because um, FX has borders. You know, FX respects uh, sovereign borders. Uh, I don't or, know if it does, but anyway, well, go on. Again, if you're a, an offshore, uh, you know, entity and you really don't care, then it doesn't matter. You can trade whatever, right? But uh, kind of the more, you know, kind of the more uh, organized FX and the more regulated FX is very kind of structured. Crypto is the same when it comes to centralized exchanges. Okay, that's why you hear all the talk about, for instance, Binance now being accused of working illegally in the States and so on. But when you look at the DeFi space, the decentralized finance, you know, countries don't have a meaning, right? So uh, trying to regulate something that is completely global, that in some cases it's, it's so global that it's even extraterrestrial. And I will explain what I mean. Like there's a project that is sending uh, nodes, which are essentially like uh, touch points of a, of a blockchain, right? To space, okay? On satellites. Scamming and aliens. It sounds, no, no, it, it sounds crazy, but in essence, when you think of it, you know, there is no sovereignty of, of any, you know, government nor regulator in space, right? So you cannot shut down this computer because the question always goes, okay, it's decentralized, but what if, you know, all computers will be shut down and what if, you know, Bitcoin will become illegal globally? So, you know, this industry is so decentralized. Maybe it's not completely decentralized because there are some players that can, you know, have more power uh, than the others. It depends on which blockchain you're talking about. But it's so widespread, so global, so decentralized that you cannot really regulate it in the regular way. You know, and obviously there are a lot of moral hazards that arise from that, and none of them are new, right? These are things that have been um, already spotted 
in the equities trading world and in the FX trading world. The only difference is that it's harder to combat this in the regular you know, tools of regulators because the industry is so global and, and so decentralized. Yeah. So, yeah, so they, they will have to find other ways to do that because right now all regula regulators are failing that. Yeah, I mean, the, th the thing that I've, I think there's a sort of paradox at the heart of so much of the crypto space, because on the one hand, if you look, I mean, definitely when in the past, I used to go to a lot of events with, with where crypto people would be there. And a lot of them were kind of utopianist, libertarian type people who were saying we don't need the government, we don't want to be regulated. The whole point, I mean, even now, right, all the time, even though, you know, it clearly hasn't helped protect people from inflation but whatever i don't want to go down that rabbit hole but like even now right you'll hear people say like the whole point of this is to is to escape from the fiat system so that you can be independent or whatever it is right so all of that stuff is very, is, is almost like an anarchist libertarian whatever you want to call it but then on the other hand all of the major exchanges and stuff will be like but we really need to be, we're really pro-regulation and we want to be regulated and we want to have this thing so it's kind of like on the one hand, many of the people who are in the industry and help build it up are, are and, and kind of this, there's this undercurrent or ethos to the industry that is against regulation or against any kind of rule of law. Uh, but then on the other hand, I think a lot of people are realizing, well, like actually to function, you need to be regulated. Um, otherwise things don't work. And so it just seems like there's that has that sort of, what, what would you call it? Dichotomy hasn't really been work it out I th I, it's like they people can't you know like schizophrenics they can't figure out whether they want to be completely unregulated or if actually they want to be regulated and kind of treated as some sort of new financial asset so with, with respect to you know uh, uh exchanges asking to be regulated uh you know we saw this clearly with ftx you know when you are Paying both sides, when you invest so much money in lobbyists and uh, in politicians from both sides, Democrats and Republicans, you're, you for sure want to be regulated because the regulation will always skew to your benefit, yeah. right? It's the same thing with, you know, allegedly with the Sam Altman right now and the open AI, right? When he calls for regulation, when he's the leading player... Yeah. And, uh, you know, he has all the technology and now, you know, screw all the other guys who, who want to take a, a piece of that pie. So, you know, regulation uh, often favors the stronger players and regulation, you know, uh, is being written not in a very, um, not in a very um, unbiased way. Right. Hence what we saw with FTX. Uh, I just think, you know. What I'm mostly like, what most people don't understand, and I think if if your listeners will take one thing, I think it should be that uh, the fact that Coinbase was grilled now by the SEC, Coinbase, right, was the poster boy of of you know, Coinbase is not Binance nor it's FTX, right? It's a publicly traded company, invests a lot of money in compliance, uh, very uh, kind of conscience about you know um, doing the right thing. Uh, so, yeah, so they, now the, the SEC is grilling them on, on technicalities. And even Binance, you know, even Binance are not, you know, pure evil as you would think or, or as they would uh, be portrayed in the media. What's going to happen that instead of Coinbase and Binance, you're going to have offshore, you know, mostly, you know, located in China, Iran, Russia, whatever, exchanges mm -hmm. that are going to target 
U.S. citizens, you know, in, in perfect English, and you will not even know who's behind those systems because, again, they're decentralized and permissionless and all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're, you're taking the good guys or kind of the semi-good guys and you're going after them because that's the easiest target. But then, you know, you know the industry doesn't go away. The industry stays and there are new players that come into place and those players are much more uh, kind of uh, malevolent and, and, and much less careful and they don't care because they, they live in a country that has no uh, you know extradition laws to, to the US or to the West mm-hmm. uh, and that's what's going to happen. You know, uh, th- there, is a, there is a saying in Chinese, uh, kill the chicken to scare the monkey, you know. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so they kill... So it basically means that, you know, you, you go after, you know, uh, one player to scare all the rest, right? right? So they, they kill the chicken, but the, monkey, the, the monkeys that are going to, the monkey is not scared and uh, the monkeys that, that is going to replace the chicken is going to be much, much worse. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I'm actually less, uh, I don't think it will be that bad. I think it will be, it will, I think it could be more like, um, you know, if you look, at, I think it was in 2015 or, or maybe even earlier. Basically, that the FX used to be huge in the US, right? There were like FXM mm-hmm. was was based in America. You had um, a lot of brokers that had entities there. Like off the top of my head, I remember Alpari had one, um, and they they all ended up shutting down and moving off because because the regular the, basically the US just went after that industry. Um, you can't do C- you can't do OTC there, so you can't do CFDs. Um, so it's it's much much smaller than it used to be, and um, I I think now you don't really see like even if you go on let's say the the, the kind of dodgier <laughs> side of the industry's websites, right? They will have some kind of disclaimer saying they don't onboard U.S. clients, uh, and and to be fair, a lot of them don't as well. I mean, I know that there's some that will. I think you're insane if you go after U.S. clients. I, I just think you're, you're the idea that you won't be found and got and so on is is not really true. So, I think one of the claims allegedly that the CFTC had against Binance is the fact that they're doing this uh, kind of a wink wink policy where they say, okay, don't go to Binance U.S. but use a VPN and go to yeah. to uh, one of my offshore. Uh, and we know that it happens in FX as well, right? It's a practice that is well known, and a lot of companies are doing that. You know, yeah. so VPNs and um, and kind of gray area policies that brokers and you know exchanges have, you cannot really uh, ignore them, yeah. right? It's a practice that exists. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. I I personally think that if and if crypto dies, which I think is also possible, then um, you know obviously none of this really matters. But I think if it if it survives, I think it's basically like a non-U.S. industry. I think that will happen. I just don't, I don't. I think that you you can see they just don't want it. Like they, they don't want to regulate it. They don't want to treat it as a serious thing. I understand that, but maybe your listeners and, and you don't think that's done. But I just think it's yeah. It's like the if it exists, it will be much much smaller. Like if you look at like I say, if you look at OTC at FX in in the US, I think there's only four or five companies that can do it now, and it's pretty tiny. But um. But I got to say one thing, though, David, you know, uh, just uh, just to throw you back uh, to, to what you said earlier, uh, you know, you view the, 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 you know, the existing system, right, as the existing system. And like everyone that wants to challenge it is uh, kind of a utopian libertarian and so yes. on. But 
you know, you cannot ignore what's going on in the world right now where you have 110 countries that are exploring CBDC and one of the leading countries is the UK. So sure enough, when the CBDC is going to enter, everything that you know about the financial system is going to change. Now, it's not a theory. It's not a conspiracy. Yeah. It's, it's the truth, right? Because first of all, technologically, it will be a different ball game, right? You understand that. So fiat, as you know, it will not exist in the near future because CBDC will kick in and you will not have cash. Your money will not be, your money is essentially digital as it is right now, right? But it's a different form of digital, right? It's not like crypto digital, even though it uses kind of a similar technology. It's centralized crypto digital, right? So you should be aware of that and you should understand that because that's where things are headed. You know, and it's going to to uh, um, to hit us much sooner rather than later. I'm talking about you know one, two, three years stops. Depends on where you live. Uh, I can say that you know the U.S., the U.K., Israel are kind of in in, in very late stages. You know, the bigger part of Western Europe are yeah. moving very very fast towards uh, towards. Uh, um, you know, implementing CBDC. Obviously, the ECB, the European Central Bank, are looking into that. Yeah. So, uh, the existing system will not remain the same for sure, yeah. right? So then, sure. maybe, for yeah. sure, then maybe you will look at, at crypto in a different light. Because, uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm 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 quite scared about the uh, the potential of uh, CBDC yeah. and what what it may bring. And people should understand. That. Yeah, I mean, I don't. To be fair, I just I don't know enough about that to, to have a, a informed opinion. But um, maybe you're right. I think I think one of the um, only things I've heard about that, which I think is interesting, and this is this is interesting in general, is um, for, for cross border transaction. Right? Is that um, if you if you do a crypto transaction, there is in, there is a kind of instant settlement. So if you I think this is this seems to be more of a problem for transfers from the to and from the US, but it, but it applies to I guess I think it does apply to other places as well. But there's definitely transfers that you can do now where you have uh, you can still wait like three days for 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 this for settlement. And I think if you that is one thing that I've kind of tentatively seen where I think oh that's kind of interesting uh, where you have instant settlement. And then that I think if you're a government maybe that might be the appeal because if you get like imagine if you do a transaction where you buy something and, and uh, you know, the VAT goes directly to the government, you have that same day settlement kind of thing. Maybe that's something I could just be talking complete bullshit. But I have no idea. So, uh, but w one thing, one thing I wanted to ask really is, is still on the topic of regulation, right? Which is, I think if you look at, so again, if you look at CFD space, um, there's kind of like go-to jurisdictions for the industry. So I would say in the past, and definitely, you know, to, to some extent, still today, you go like FCA, probably CISEC. It seems like Dubai is increasingly becoming one. I think since the ESMA regulations, uh, a lot of people uh, have have basically tried to go on an offshore entity. So you go to like Seychelles, Mauritius, uh, St. Vincent in the past. Uh, but I think that's a bit less reputable. Uh, but what, one thing I did notice for crypto is a lot of people, and I, and I really have no idea why this is, is a lot of people seem to go to Estonia. So like Post 500 went to Estonia. Um, I think, I can't, there's definitely a couple of others that have gone to Estonia. 
But is there kind of like a a good license that you can have in that in the same way that you can for for CFDs and FX, or is it not really developed enough? So it's not as developed as the FX space uh, to say, for instance, you know, that, you know, if you go to, if you get an FCA license, it's going to cost you a lot. It's going to take you a very long time. But at the end of the day, when you have the, the FCA license, it's kind of the gold standard, right? Or ASIC or kind of the more reputable, you know, Baffin and so on. Uh, whereas in, in, in crypto, it doesn't really work that way because first... I don't know of any regulator right now around the world that would give you the whole package. You know, if you're an exchange, if you're a custodian, if you're a technology provider, um, because there are always different facets, right? Because you, you, you can store money, you can handle money, you can issue a token. There are different aspects of your day-to-day activity as a company. And I don't think that any regulator in the world right now is pro- progressed enough to say, hey, listen, come to me. You can do everything that you said in a regulated manner, right? So what you have is kind of more clarity, less clarity. That's the game that you have. That's the regulatory arbitrage that you have in the world right now. Uh, The U.S. leads the pack in being super unclear, but super stringent, like the most unclear, right? Because they have two regulators that are fighting over, you know, what are tokens, commodities or securities, right? And uh, both of them are claiming that, you know, the baby is mine, you know, to, to refer to the biblical, uh, to the biblical story. So uh, uh, the U.S. Is, is very unclear. But having said that, the enforcement is very fierce. So you have the worst of, of both worlds, right? Um, U.K. Uh, is quite progressed. But I have to say that I'm a little disappointed uh, from the the attitude of the current government, you know, Rishi Sunak was referred to as, you know, kind of in the crypto space, he was referred to as kind of the uh, crypto-friendly PM. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what you see now uh, with respect to wanting to regulate uh, crypto as gambling, uh, I don't think that this is the way, uh, right? Actually, what's, what's kind of surprising is that uh, the Asian jurisdictions are very progressed. Uh, Hong Kong, for instance, is showing a very comprehensive framework right now um i would be a little cautious you know given the fact that it's a kind of an entity that is controlled by china so you never know right only two years ago we had uh, uh all the protests and uh and, and obviously covid uh so I, I don't know if if i would uh put all my eggs in this basket but uh they seem quite progressed right now because they want to uh, lure back uh, uh western companies um the uae um, is is very kind of uh, crypto friendly, but to be perfectly honest, um, their license doesn't really have any content in it, right? You know, you pay like 50k and you can do whatever you want, but uh, it doesn't really give you anything in terms of like saying, you know, I'm regulated by. By the way, the UAE have about 40 financial yeah. regulators, <laughs> so. So, you know, just saying, just for just as an example, you know, saying I'm regu- regulated by the DMCC, it doesn't mean anything to, let's say, the FCA, right? The FCA would say, okay, what does it mean? Does it mean that you have to face some standards? Does it mean that you have to do reporting? No, right? So it's only kind of a, uh, kind of a stamp. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, having said that, I mean, the EU is now doing MICA which is, uh, I think that there are a lot of loopholes in it. Um, 
but Mika essentially is probably the world's most comprehensive framework for crypto. Uh, a lot of people view it in a very positive manner. Uh, so I think that's kind of a good, you know, one thing that the EU does right is probably that. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of, uh, you, you know, it's going to kick in in July, if I'm not wrong. So we'll have to see how it works practically. But right now it looks very promising. Cool. But do you, so do you know, do you have any uh, ideas to why Estonia or is that just random? Because I remember, I remember also at one point Gibraltar was like this big crypto thing i think etor so, has gibraltar gibraltese license and a few others do so again uh if you take europe for example different um, kind of offshore european entities have different uh um benefits to them right so let's say just to give an example if you want to do kind of a um, more kind of a relationship with the fiat uh, banking right if you're doing on-ramp off-ramp and so on Estonia until recently, I'm not very updated about it. It was a very good place because you can get uh, some sort of a some sort of a banking license, kind of an intermediary banking license, uh, relatively for um, you know uh, cheap and and fast, and and you can work in the EU um, and around the world, right? But if you're looking to do custody, you know you may go to I don't know just. For, for instance, Malta or Gibraltar or or uh, Cyprus and so on. So every place has its own features. And, and this also changes, you know, quite often because, uh, you know, Malta, for instance, tried to label itself as the as, as the blockchain island. You know, I still remember CZ uh, taking pictures with a Maltese PM, you know, holding this giant check of $50 billion, you know, just a mock check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Malta said that we're going to host uh, Binance, blah blah blah, and it just evaporated. You know, it just uh, was 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 only for for a photo op. Yeah, well, they're big in gambling and stuff, so some similarities maybe. Yeah, I actually wonder if being regulated as gambling might be a good idea, because then you can just be like, you know, if you regulate as gambling, you have you actually have a lot of stuff, right? You have KYC, you have some kind of deposit. In the UK, anyway, you have like deposit limits, you have to do KYC, you have to do AML stuff. And um, it's actually pretty heavily regulated, the, the gambling industry, yeah, kind of in the same way that CFDs are. And so in a way, that might be might not be such a bad thing, even though people say it is. Because the thing is, right, if you if you think of it for, not from a... a you know, don't th- if you don't think of the negative connotations that that has, you get... You know, you can do what you want. You get the AML and and KYC kind of stuff. You have the deposit limits, but also the mar- the marketing restrictions are pretty loose. I mean, they're getting stricter, but actually, the the marketing restrictions on gambling in the UK is is depressingly, in my opinion, very loose. Like it's, it's not difficult to market gambling. So you know, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I, I can understand why people made the reference because definitely UK has the the best. Uh... Again, it depends on, on, on which side of the coin you look at it, but uh, UK has kind of the most comprehensive, the most clear um, uh, regulation for gambling. So I see why, you know, the government sees it as, you know, we have one thing fun- that, that is functioning. Let's just duplicate it and change the title and call it crypto. But I think that it doesn't suit crypto altogether. Yeah. Uh, it it just doesn't but by the same token that it doesn't suit you know to to label crypto as a commodity or a security right because it's a, it's a different thing you cannot take 
some um, you know definition that was uh, um, kind of uh, written uh, 100 years ago and to duplicate it to something that uh, is so based on technology and and, and is so uh, novel. Yeah, that's that's my opinion. Cool. Well, I mean, we've been going for quite a while now. So, any kind of final closing points? Any things that you think listeners should be aware of, particularly as it pertains to this overlap with the FX CFD world as we move forward? Yeah, I think that uh, again, I'm, I'm maybe I'm biased, but I think that crypto is here to stay. I think that uh, if uh, if 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 I was in in, in the in the place of your listeners, you know, who are mostly kind of execs in the CFDs, FX world, I would dive into crypto and, and try to understand more the technology to read kind of between the lines and not to listen to all the, um, you know, again, scams and um, hacks and other negative news that you see in the media because the technology is beautiful and I believe that the technology eventually will remain and uh, will be very valuable. And I think that they cannot um, disregard it. You know, Itoro was smart enough to go into that. Yoni, their, their founder, uh, was uh, bullish on crypto in 2000, whatever, when he ha- hung out with Vitalik. Like really early on, to be fair to him. He, he, was, he was hanging out with Vitalik, you know, Vitalik Buterin, for those of you who don't know, the founder of Ethereum. Uh, back in the days, you know, before Vitalik was Vitalik, you know, he was hanging out with them in Tel Aviv and... and thinking of uh, they had this uh, project called Colored Coins. So I think that uh, FX companies uh, will have to be minded towards crypto. Uh, definitely when crypto comes back in the next bull run, because I believe that it will happen. Cool. There you go. Well, you heard that here first. There's going to be another bull run. I'm skeptical. But Michael is optimistic, which is uh, which is probably a good, good trait to have. So... Uh... Not a financial advice. Yeah, no financial <laughs> advice. No financial advice here. So, uh, Michael, thanks very much for, for joining me. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Thanks, David.